Hey there, welcome to the Brave Marriage Podcast. I'm Kinsey Dazinski, a licensed marriage and family therapist and certified professional coach, and this is a podcast for couples who want to grow as individuals, do marriage with intention, and live mutually empowered, purposeful lives. Thank you all for joining me during the month of December. I know it has potential to be a busy season, so the fact that you're showing up with me each week lets me know just how much you value your marriage, your family, and your personal growth. And I'm grateful. And hey, if you're new to the show, would you mind to leave a quick rating and review on iTunes? Your all's ratings and reviews help other people find the show and know at a quick glance whether or not it's worth listening to. So if you think it is, I'd love for you to let future listeners know. Throughout the holiday season, we've been exploring various topics related to family of origin. We spent two episodes on honoring our fathers and mothers, two episodes on the roles we play in childhood, and we'll wrap up our Family of Origin series with two episodes on childhood messages. And let me tell you, there is so much more I could cover when it comes to Family of Origin, but to wrap it all up and tie everything together, I wanted to end with a discussion on childhood messages because those not only affect what we believe about ourselves and the world today, but also what we pass on to others or pass down to our children. Now, as you listen to today's teaching, I want you to think about it in two different ways. The first way I want you to filter this is through the lens of your childhood self. What childhood messages did you receive that didn't serve you? Then, the second way I want you to filter this teaching is through the lens of your own children if you have a family of your own. And if that's you, I'd actually recommend listening through twice so that you don't miss something you need to hear first, first for yourself and then for your kids, as you think about becoming even more intentional with the message your kiddos are picking up now. But before we dive into childhood messages, this episode is brought to you by my one-hour paid consultations. Do you have questions specific to your marriage? Would you like direction, guidance, and a listening ear you can trust? If so, I'd love to jump on a one-hour phone call with you to talk about your life, your questions, and your next best steps. Those who've already consulted with me report new insights and new confidence in their ability to move forward, simply given an outside, objective, and professional perspective. So if a particular issue is coming to your mind right now and you desire the same outcome, just visit bravemarriage.com shop and click on one hour consultation to purchase. Again, that's bravemarriage.com slash shop. Now, all of us grow up having received certain messages in childhood that essentially either encourage or discourage us. We receive these messages from our parents, extended family, close friends and communities, from church, society at large, But today, we're focusing on the messages we received in our families of origin because more often than not, these messages influence us the most as kids. One way or another, these messages are communicated to us. Some are spoken, some are unspoken, some are implied, but for better or worse, we internalize the messages we receive. And when we internalize a message as a kid, we begin to believe it. And when we believe something, we act out of that belief. So to demonstrate this, let me give you an example of a positive childhood message I received growing up. 
Essentially, it was, I am loved and safe when I make mistakes. Now, this wasn't ever said to me just like this, but I internalized this message nonetheless. And this internalization process happened through a series of events, such as watching my mom leave a note on someone's truck when one of her daughters slammed the car door into it. If my memory served me correctly, that may have been me. See, my mom believed that honesty was the best policy. Therefore, she didn't have trouble owning her mistakes. The result was that gentleman conveyed that he was touched that someone would be so honest when no one was watching. I also internalized this message when I made a few honest mistakes at home and was met with love and grace. And so I began to believe that I was safe and loved when I made mistakes because my mom's words and actions were consistent, both in her own life and in her parenting, and then I started to act out of that belief myself. Like when my friend called my house in fifth grade, you know, when we still had landlines, and asked if I'd been talking about her. And I remember thinking, as a fifth grader, okay, I can either lie right now to avoid a fight, but feel guilty in our friendship, or I can tell the truth, apologize, and accept however she chooses to respond. And because I'd already internalized this message, I went with the latter. I use that example simply to illustrate how childhood messages are formed and ultimately become our operating systems for how we live our lives in the world. And this serves us really well when our parents not only teach us a value but model it too, providing us with a congruent message about ourselves and the way the world works. But often without realizing it, parents also communicate inconsistent or incongruent messages which we then internalize negatively. Because as kids, we don't have the perspective to say, oh, it's all right. I know it's not personal. Mom and dad are just working through their own stuff. I know that really they love and accept me no matter what. Or, you know, I'm just going to choose for myself to believe only messages that are true and for my good. It just doesn't work like that. Instead, when our parents are either A, unaware or unintentional with their own growth areas, or B, are oblivious to our feelings and what they're communicating to us as kids, the messages we internalize end up something like this. I am only loved when I blank. I am not enough unless I blank. So fill in the blanks for yourself. What have you come to believe? I am only loved when I what? I am not enough unless I what? Do more? Perform better? Act like my parents or siblings? Stay in the background? Meet my parents' emotional needs? What was it for you? Pause this episode and really think about those questions if you need to. Once you've identified one or two, I want you to understand where childhood messages originate. Because we've already talked about how childhood messages form. Our parents communicate these things to us, and we in turn internalize the message. But why? Why are some messages we receive positive and others negative? Why are some helpful and some extremely unhelpful? Why are some true and some untrue? Where do these messages come from? I've given a lot of thought to this topic, as I always like to take things to a deeper level or try to arrive at the root of certain issues. And without going all the way back to original sin, here's what I believe to be true. Our childhood messages start with our parents' conscious 
and unconscious values. Their values. Perhaps your parents valued faith, security, hard work, grit, perseverance, money, kindness, hospitality. And values in and of themselves are harmless, right? I mean, we like to think about them as positive constructs, but in reality, values are only as helpful as they are A, congruent in the person's life who holds them, and B, motivated by love. And friends, that's an integral part of passing down values to children. Our words and actions and motivations have to align when it comes to our values. Otherwise, we hurt people with our values even when we intend to help. So here's the million-dollar question. What have you come to believe about yourself because of your parents' values? Did you grow up to hold the same value, believing true things about yourself? Or did you grow up feeling more hurt than helped by a particular value, having internalized a negative childhood message? Now, before we shift gears and get into these specific messages, remember, it's important to name what's good, to honor our parents for all they did do for us and pass on to us, to show them grace as adults. So pause there just for a moment to acknowledge the good that's there before we go on. What I want to walk you through now are some common negative childhood messages that many of us grow up to internalize. There are plenty to talk about, but for time's sake, I've lumped a few together to try and cover more. But here's the reality. We all have them, these negative childhood messages that we have to work through as adults. See, our parents are also human beings. So I want you to give them as much grace as you can, but I also want you to know that the degree to which our parents lacked self-awareness when we were kids bears an observable correlation to the number of untrue or unhelpful childhood messages we've internalized throughout our lives and the number of untrue and limiting beliefs we struggle with as adults. And ultimately, that's the reason we're exploring childhood messages at all today. Because if we can identify our negative childhood messages and what we've come to believe about ourselves that's untrue, then and only then can we do something different. We can learn to believe truth about ourselves rather than being chained by lies. We can learn to act in love instead of out of our own insecurities. And we can become individuals of integrity and intentionality, two qualities that lead us to health and wholeness and lead those we love to grow. So as you listen, take note of which childhood messages resonate for you personally. You ready? Number one. I have to be good or nice to be loved or accepted. This childhood message is transmitted when parents value morality, reputation, or social acceptance. And those aren't bad things necessarily, but if you internalize this message as negative, it's likely that you grew up believing your worth or lovability was tied to your behavior. This happens through disapproving looks, passive-aggressive behavior, and spoken messages from our parents, like, shame on you. I can't believe you thought that or said that or did that. What's wrong with you? It makes sense, then, that the child would internalize, there's something wrong with me and I won't be loved or accepted until I figure out what that is, until I perfect my motives or intentions or show my best side only. Well, that's a lot of pressure for a child to carry. 
when what they really need to know is that they're loved no matter what, that grace is available, and that no one is perfect. That's the only thing that will motivate goodness, actually. When moral teaching is void of that component, kids either reject their parents' values, put on a facade, or grow up feeling like their heart and actions are not aligned. Number two, childhood message. I have to perform or succeed to be loved or accepted. This childhood message is transmitted when parents value talent leading to success, achievement, or superiority in any area. Athletics, academics, art, entertainment, a professional career. And if you experienced this one growing up, most likely, your parents saw potential in you, which they hoped to cultivate. However, when values become more important than the person they're raising, that's where parents' intentions go awry. The child then receives mixed messages, understanding that they're talented or have potential in a certain area, but experiencing a never-enoughness at the same time. This happens through disapproving looks, criticism, and spoken messages such as, you can do better than that, I'm disappointed in that performance. Did you hear about the success of so-and-so? Here's what you need to do better next time. And what's internalized then is, I'm not enough as I am. I have to prove myself through performing to my parents' standard. Therefore, their love and acceptance is conditional upon the quality of my performance. And what happens then is, depending on the child's personality, he or she responds by pushing themselves even harder, cheating the system to try and live up to the parents' standards, or quitting. Either way, the child is operating out of a low self-esteem, out of trying to prove his or her worth rather than acting out of the knowledge that he or she is already worthy. Because see, these messages aren't necessarily bad, but when they're not met with the truth of unconditional love, that's when they're internalized negatively. Number three, I have to be strong or tough to be loved or accepted. This childhood message is transmitted when parents value inner or outer strength, grit or perseverance, or mental, emotional, or physical toughness. When children internalize us negatively, unspoken parental messages include eye-rolling, the silent treatment, or overt criticism. Spoken messages may sound like, suck it up, don't be weak, be tough, don't let them see your weakness. And when these messages get communicated without the child understanding that he or she is loved no matter what, the child then internalizes messages of, I'm not good enough unless I'm just like mom or dad. Their love and acceptance of me is based on me being able to fit a certain mold. And so what happens? Kids either exaggerate these qualities within themselves, some feeling like imposters, and some feeling like, yeah, this is right, and developing arrogance, or they shut down completely and reject their parents' value. And here's the thing. Sure, one of these behaviors is more socially constructive than the other, given a Darwinian point of view, but both behaviors are derived from low self-esteem, from believing that their acceptance and approval are conditional. A fourth negative childhood message is, I have to be selfless or helpful to be loved or accepted. 
This childhood message is transmitted when parents value sacrifice, selflessness, loving others, or hospitality, which are all great values, right? But when the value becomes more important than the child, that's where unhelpful messages get internalized. Think of Mary and Martha from the Bible. Mary chose to be present with Jesus, while Martha chose to be helpful. She even resented the fact that Mary wasn't helping. Why? Well, perhaps Martha had an internalized message of, I am not lovable or worthy of others, especially Jesus, unless I am serving, hosting, or caretaking. Perhaps that's how she was conditioned to find her worth. Perhaps Martha's parents were great at guilt-tripping her or punishing her when she didn't play this hospitable role. Maybe Martha heard things like, you don't think of anyone but yourself, or a good Jewish girl serves others religiously. And we see in the story how this led her to behave. She was troubled and anxious, the Bible says, because she was distracted with serving. Not only that, but she tries to enlist Jesus in guilt-tripping her sister. Now, who in their right mind would try to enlist Jesus in guilt-tripping other people or getting on board with their agendas? Oh, wait, that's too real. I'm so sorry. Anyway, we see how Jesus responds to that, right? He says, Martha, Martha, you're worried about so much and yet completely missing the point. You, your presence, would have been enough. Your knowing me is enough. Why? Because I say so. Okay, back to teaching, not preaching. Stay in your lane, Kinsey. Number five, I have to be happy or pleasant to be loved or accepted. This childhood message is transmitted when parents value themselves. I don't know how else to say it how they appear to others, or what the child can do to meet their parents' own needs. Now, while all of the childhood messages we've talked about today are potentially damaging, this is one of the hardest to unlearn and untangle ourselves from. Kids who grow up believing this message are positively reinforced when they meet their parents' needs or ideals, but negatively reinforced or even punished when they don't live up to their parents' needs or ideals. They may hear things like, now we're not going to be negative, we're going to be grateful for what we have, as if the child can't have his or her own feelings. Or on a more manipulative note, don't you care about mommy? Look how you're hurting daddy's feelings. Don't you love me? What do you think a child internalizes then? He or she learns that it's not okay to have their own feelings, that he or she is responsible for their parents' happiness. And quite literally, they think, my mom or dad's love is predicated upon me meeting his or her emotional needs, and having feelings of my own is a serious threat to our relationship. And so, ultimately, the child learns how not to have a self, because he or she was never told by a parent, hey, I may see things differently than you, but you're okay to feel however you feel. Your emotions matter, and you don't have to be positive all the time. You can be your own person, and I will love you no matter what, because I'm the grown-up in this relationship. See, the values that are instilled in us growing up are our norm until they're not, meaning until we're out on our own or we're exposed to education or healthy relationships or different ways of living, 
we'll continue to think that the way we grew up is normal. So as children, we seldom question the messages we are receiving because we don't know any different. Instead, we insidiously internalize certain beliefs about ourselves and the world around us. It's not until we get older and gain perspective, hopefully, that we begin to challenge these messages, realizing they're keeping us down and holding us back from the abundant life we were meant to live. And so now, now that you are aware of some of your childhood messages, what's left is to learn to believe true things about ourselves so that we can live into all that God made us to be and, at the same time, learn what a perfect father has to say about each and every one of us, which we'll talk more about next week. In the meantime, your action step is to download the free PDF I've created with questions for you that correspond to this episode, to the last several episodes, actually. So to get that and reflect further with your spouse, just visit bravemarriage.com family. Again, that's bravemarriage.com family. My prayer for us this week is that his words about us would bring life that each of us would begin to consider our inherent worth, value, enoughness, and lovability in his eyes, and that that would become what matters most. I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Love is not a bad Love is not a bond Love is just as fragile as it is strong